We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated on Fan Nation. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the uh, episode, uh, to the podcast, I should say. Um, if you guys are watching live on YouTube uh, at Oregon Football Max Torres, I uh, greatly appreciate you guys stopping by and uh, taking some time out of your day to talk some ducks with us. Uh, definitely go ahead and leave uh, some comments in the live chat. Uh, we want to talk about recruiting in this episode. We also want to talk about some hoops to start things off because that's kind of the freshest news. So go ahead and hop in those comments and let us know what's on your mind uh, when it comes to recruiting. And Steven and I will do our best to answer it. And if you're watching on replay, definitely do the same thing there. Go ahead. Let us know how you're feeling. Tons to talk about with the Ducks right now and recruiting. With all that being said, I am joined by my good friend, Stephen Blanchett. He is uh, one of our writers at Ducks Digest, and he always uh, hops on these podcasts with me. Got to see you at the game last night, man. How are we doing, Stephen? I'm good, man. I'm good. It was great seeing you at the game last night. How are you, Max? I'm awesome, man. Couldn't couldn't uh, ask for more. You know, I got a little run in to uh, end my day. Really cold in Eugene lately. Um, Freezing. But, you know, in a weird way, I've, I've kind of missed how cold it's been uh, since I've been out of town uh, out in California for a while. So, um I mean, I don't love how it's freezing, but like it's a nice little switch up. And, you know, it's it's a reminder that you're in the Pacific Northwest, which is a, a great spot. Certainly, man. I've been struggling with that. I'm from California myself, as you know, and uh, you could take the boy out of California, but you can't take the California out of the boy. I am struggling here. Yeah, it's 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 pretty chilly, but, you know, we get through it. Right. Uh, we got some we got some nice days every now and then. So uh, we are going to talk about recruiting. But like I said at the top here, we do want to talk a little bit about hoops. Because here at Ducks, uh, Ducks Dish, we uh, talk about, you know, all things Oregon. We don't limit ourselves to football. Uh, and the Ducks got, uh, you know, it, it was a tough loss last night. You know, start off talking about the men uh, dropping a home game at Matthew Knight Arena in Eugene. Uh, 82-78, to 78, that's the final score uh, for this uh, last game. And uh, it was really, uh, you know, a uh, back-and-forth kind of game, Stephen. You know, the, the Ducks started hot. Devion Harmon and Will Richardson were, were putting that thing up from behind the arc and, and the offense looked like it was getting off to a hot start. And then things kind of just slowed down. And Dana Altman spoke with us after the game about, you know, how uh, they really weren't moving the ball very well and and um, they were kind of getting outworked. So it's just a, just a, t- a tough loss for the Ducks. And, you know, this upcoming game on Saturday against Oregon State becomes that much more critical. Kind of wanted to ask some of your thoughts on the game. 
Yeah, it was it was really a tale of two halves kind of game. I mean, Oregon was coming in uh, really hot, six wins in a row, had just knocked off, as, as, as you know, uh, USC and UCLA down in Los Angeles uh, about a week ago. So the Ducks were riding high. To, to start the game, I mean, I, I showed up to the arena a little late, Max. And so when I got there, the Ducks were up 12, looking great. So I was thinking, all right, this is kind of already put to bed here with about 15 minutes left in the first half. So I certainly spoke too soon. Um, Altman hit it on the head. I mean, there were so many possessions there, especially in the second half, where they were they were one pass or zero pass possessions, right? So so the person who brought the ball up either passed it off once and took a shot or they took a shot. And so the offense seemed stagnant and Colorado capitalized. They were running. Uh, they also caused a ton of turnovers in the second half. Like I said, really a tale of two halves. It also felt to me, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but you know, I feel like especially with hoops, you've got a lead and it sort of seems like you maintain that lead for the you know generally most of the game, but it never feels safe at all. And after I got there, uh, 12 didn't seem so safe. And then it sort of just felt like that the entire game until Colorado really flipped it. The Ducks made a push there at the end. Uh, some confusing, uh, I guess, uh, decisions there at the end uh, by some of the guys on the floor, uh, you know, just based on the situation uh, in terms of trying to make a comeback and tie the game. But uh, it was interesting. It was a weird vibe just kind of trying to hold them off all game and then, and then having Colorado make that final push. And then the Ducks uh, just too little too late. Yeah, that, that was definitely a lot of back and forth, uh, you know, with, with how the, the game transpired and how things kind of unraveled at the end. Uh, I think you can really point to, to Oregon's, uh, you know, presence in, in the paint. I know that was uh, something that, that was kind of lacking. You know, they finished, I believe it was minus eight in the rebounding category. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just, just overall sloppy play. Um, you know, I was asking Dan Altman some questions about the game. And, uh, you know, he was saying that uh, you know, usually – he hit on a myriad of, uh, you know, factors and stats. He was saying you score 78 at home and, and you shouldn't lose, uh, right? You know, that should be enough is kind of what he was getting at. But, um, you know, overall, D- Ducks drop a tough game. And and I think that it's it's tough to see the time that this comes at because you talked about those historic wins over USC and UCLA. And, you know, the, the, the whole tradition that kind of seems like with this Oregon basketball team is that they're ready to go. Uh, when it comes time, uh, you know, for the tourney. But now it's we don't even know if that's going to be, you know, a, a lock at this point with the way things have kind of gone. Yep. You want to get hot closer to March. That's always the goal. Uh, and with the Ducks sort of slow start that they had this year, I mean, certainly I would say they underachieved a little bit to start the season. Uh, you know, the success they've had in the past week, two weeks has made me feel like, OK, Almond's got them on the right path here and they are peaking at the right time. And then you have a letdown game like this. So I think you nailed it. It makes the Oregon state game all that more important Saturday. I'm really excited to be at that game and, uh, and see how the ducks respond, right? That's the only thing they can do is, is respond positively and try to get the momentum back. Uh, basketball, there's a lot of games in the season uh, that uh, heading into March. And so they do have an opportunity obviously to kind of right the ship, but it, it was definitely – you could see it at the guys, too. They were disappointed. They didn't they, – they, they, they played their hearts out, and they didn't want the game to go like that, obviously. And it sucks when you give up a lead like that. Um, but it's just it's, – it's really interesting with the two-half kind of things. I mean, at the first half, it was 42-37 Oregon. Uh, second half, it was 45-36 Colorado, right? So you could literally almost flip it on its head. All right. Yeah, we're going to have to keep our eye on that Oregon State game. That's the next opportunity for the Ducks to get back in the win column. That game, as you said, Stephen, 
Saturday, January 29th at 7 p.m. here in Eugene at Matt Knight Arena. Now, before we talk about recruiting, we want to talk about uh, Oregon women's basketball. I was at their game earlier today uh, where they took on Utah and ultimately came away with the win, 70-66. to 66. Uh, Really a close game, you know, for, for that whole um you know, that, that whole time, you guys can read my recap story on Ducks Digest. Uh, I got some awesome photos from Scott uh, Bolt, our photographer. He's been going crazy with his uh, camera lately. So definitely got to give him a follow and, and give him a shout out if you guys haven't checked him out. But, uh, you know, the kind of the story with uh, this Oregon women's game, uh, the Ducks, they weren't really having a lot of success from uh, three-point land, Stephen. You know, finished 5 of 23 for sh- uh, shooting behind the arc. That three-point ball wasn't really falling. But uh, they had four different players uh, in double figures. You got Niara Sobley, India Rogers, Tina Powpow, and Sydney Parrish, all finishing with uh, 10 or more points. And um, I think just with the way that we've seen the team play, uh, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of times they're playing through those bigs, right? Niara Sobley and Sedona Prince. Uh, but Tina Powpow and India Rogers, I really liked what I was seeing from them as far as picking their shots, uh, weaving through the defense, and getting other other teams teammates involved. So. Um, you know, those are some of the notes that I kind of wanted to talk about with that game. I'm not sure how much you were able to, to catch of it or, you know, read about. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some highlights it was overall. Good win. Good win. Uh, you'd, you'd, I thought it was going to be a bigger margin of victory for the ducks going in. Uh, the, the women's team has had some really, really high moments this year. Uh, the UConn game, obviously one that comes to mind, uh, but you hit the nail on the head college basketball these days. It's and the NBA, WNBA, it's a it's a three point game. And so when the three point ball is not falling for you, you got to rely on something else. And and that's exactly what Oregon did. They grit. They you know, they were gritty. They grinded. And that balanced scoring is really what bails teams out a lot when they are missing something that they usually have like that three point shooting. So if you're if you're not shooting so well from behind the arc, but then you can get, like you mentioned, at least 12, 13 points from four or five different players, you're going to be in pretty good shape to win the game, albeit a close one. So. They grinded it out, and that's all you can ask for. I think another thing I wanted to mention real quick, Stephen, while we're on this topic, uh, I was kind of just you know watching the the subs that were coming in and out of the game. Uh, you know, a lot of people when they think about Oregon women's basketball, they think about Sedona Prince. Uh, she was coming off the bench today, and I don't think that was a bad thing. You know, just with some of the rotational players that Oregon has, that since they brought in so many talented transfers, I, th- I think it's really become a luxury to bring a player of, of Sedona Prince's caliber off the bench and kind of insert her, uh, you know, at different moments, um, which I think has been great. And that's something that not a lot of teams can say. Uh, and then you bring in another uh, player like Shania Pinto, who's who's been playing some tremendous defense of late. They bring her, uh, Kelly Graves brings her in late to, to try to get some really crucial stops when they needed it most. Um, and I think that, um, you know, they're, they're really finding uh, a little bit more of their groove and, and things don't get any easier with UCLA coming to town on Friday and I'll be at that game as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the Rubik's Cube of basketball, especially when you're talking about transfers and that kind of thing. Uh, you're figuring it out all season. It's not like you figure it out going into game one in terms of who's going to be at every, you know, what's the rotation every single game, who's going to come off the bench at what situation in the game. Basketball is one of the more situational, I'd say, sports of anything that we've got out, uh, you know, going. And so um, that's exactly right. You've got to be able to plug and play at the right times uh, with these players. And and like you mentioned, um Everybody stepped up. Everybody, everybody stepped up when they were called upon to do their role, uh, performed it well, and it got them the win. Again, it was a gritty win. I would say it was sort of an ugly win, but a win's a win, and you got to love to see it. So they do have a tough test, UCLA, coming uh, coming on Friday, uh, but you know something they can build momentum off of regardless of uh, how close the game was. 
Ducks return to action at Matthew Knight Arena Friday against UCLA. That game is at 8 p.m., so a little bit later. Make sure you uh, adjust your schedules accordingly. Uh, Steven, now with uh, with hoops, kind of, you know, talked a little bit about that. Let's talk about, uh, you know, what, what everyone's kind of thinking about. A lot of people are thinking about in the Oregon fan base, the Oregon community. That is Oregon football recruiting. National Signing Day is coming up really, really fast. And, uh, you know, Dan Lennon and his staff have been working tirelessly on the recruiting trail, uh, you know, bouncing kind of back and forth, you know, being here in Eugene last weekend to host some really talented visitors. Some of them I'm sure we're going to talk about uh, in this episode of the podcast. And then right when they leave, the staff hits the road again. You know, that that, that private jet's definitely logging a lot of miles, um, you know, visiting guys that were just here even in some cases, you know, really just to show them uh, Jaden Rashada being an example, you know, he he was here over the weekend. I talked to him and then uh, Dan Lanning and, and uh, the Oregon staff show up at Pittsburgh High School, uh, you know, on Monday. So I think that it's just such an interesting game to, to follow, you know, recruit kind of that game within the game. And then, uh, you know, another big weekend of visitors coming up here. And uh, some of them are 2022 guys that uh, I'm really excited to talk about. Yeah, it's Christmas season for fans of recruiting and it's sweating season for coaches. So it is pedal to the metal right now. And, and I think you hit it on the head, the private jet, the PJ is getting a lot of miles right now. Phil Knight is uh, probably, I wonder, I wonder what Phil Knight thinks of that gas bill, but uh, yeah, it, you know, I think it's, I think it's really impressive for those, for those recruits to see the commitment because with recruiting, they're obviously looking, they're going to be committing to a school, but they're looking for commitment from that school and that staff. And I think that's a, that's an awesome example uh, with uh, with Rashada, uh, I believe it was, who uh, had Landing come or visited, and then Landing shows up. Uh, was it Rashada? I'm sorry, I might have my yep. notes. Yes, it was Rashada uh, visiting on Monday. Uh, if that doesn't show clear interest in my mind as a as a recruit and as a kid, I don't know what does. So uh, I think that I think that Landing and, and the staff have been doing everything that they need to do. Considering, remember, they were behind the ball really when it comes to recruiting, just with everything that happened with Cristobal and then landing, I think did a great job of kind of juggling two jobs when he was preparing for the national championship and recruiting, but he still was not able to devote his entire attention to it. So with the short time that they've had in terms of guys who are sort of leaning Oregon or who we think are going to lean Oregon or have Oregon in their final few schools, uh, as well as people who we've talked about before uh, that he's convinced to to stay in the program or in the coaching staff has, has convinced to stay in the program. I think they've done a great job. There's also been some transfers that have really hurt really hurt deep down in the gut. And we'll talk about that. Uh, Travis die obviously being one of those here, but it's, it's wild. We're really getting down to the wire here, you know, final, final steps, final visits, final pitches, final conversations. So with signing day right around the corner, it's really anyone's guess for a lot of these guys, but at the same time, I'm feeling good about some big names too. Absolutely. Well, one of those big names that we have to talk about in this episode of the pod uh, has become pretty clear that he is the Ducks' top priority in the 2022 class, and that is 2022 cornerback Jaleel Florence out of Lincoln High School in uh, San Diego. Uh, if you guys are watching on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus, we got some of the highlights here on the screen to kind of show you, uh, obviously, the player that we're talking about, and then you know even more so the the talent that that the Ducks are, are looking to hopefully get back in the fold here with Florence. Uh, you know, kind of just a little bit of an update on him right off the top uh, earlier this week, announcing that he is working from a final two. That is the Oregon Ducks, of course, and then the USC Trojans. Uh, you know, it's uh, 
really interesting that we get this battle, you know, when it when it's happening because you have Lincoln Riley coming in at USC and Dan Landing coming up uh, at Oregon. And that's, you know, become one of the better traditional rivalries within the Pac-12. And we're seeing a recruiting battle uh, set to uh, culminate here with a decision next week, you know, pretty much right away with both these coaching tenures. Yeah, it's it. The battle that I feel like is going to be going on with Landing and Riley has started already, and it's going to be it's going to be going for years. And I love everything about it. I think it's going to be some really exciting stuff going forward on the uh, uh, on the recruiting side in terms of those two guys vying for top talent, especially on the West Coast. Both of them want to make the West Coast their spot, their fertile recruiting ground. So, uh, as you guys can see from the highlights, uh, Florence is an elite talent. Uh, he's like Max said looks like it's just down to USC in Oregon. So I think that, you know, with the announcement, I think the announcement's coming last week. Am I correct in that? Next week. Am I correct in that, Max? Uh, I think he's announcing on January 31st is the last that I was hearing. Okay, so but it's not for too. sure by signing day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, he's an immediate impact type of guy, and that's what you're really looking for in terms of, you know, your high-level recruits. Like you want them to be able to step in from day one or as close as that to – as close – to that as possible. And Florence is one of those guys. He's a four-star guy. Interesting that he sort of decided to reopen recruitment when Cristobal left, right? Because generally you'd think, okay, if that's happening, then we don't have a shot at the guy, but canceled all his other visits as uh, you talked about earlier. So with Oregon and USC being the top two, uh, I've, I think Oregon's got a really good shot to land him, and it'd be huge. They need help on uh, a corner. So yeah, and and I you know with with uh, Florence, I do kind of want to lay out the case, you know, with him being you know that that prime twenty twenty two target right now that the Ducks are looking at. I kind of want to lay out the case for for why I think that it's ultimately going to be Oregon, um, you know, in the end here. Um, you know, to, to start, I think that you look at the the factors and the circumstances for for Oregon, and uh, you have, you know, he was a former commit, so that's already kind of given the Ducks a leg up, you know. Um, and the, the staff wasted no time, you know, getting in front of him pretty much right away. Uh, right. You know, you, I think about the Twitter video that I saw Florence post and it was, you know, a midnight visit from the Oregon staff and they were there into the, the wee hours of the morning, like two 30 AM, I think it was. And, and, uh, you know, you saw coach Demetrius Martin in that video, I believe, um, you know, he's the new cornerbacks coach. So sending them out to uh, San Diego to, to get that immediate FaceTime with, with Florence is, is huge. Um, and he's a guy who has deep, deep Pac-12 ties, uh, obviously uh, some serious ties out there in uh, Southern California. So that's a huge help. And then later on, you you saw them do another visit, uh, the Oregon staff, with, with him and uh, Grayson Halton, who at the time was still committed, but has since uh, decommitted. He, that's you know another new update today. Ducks losing a pledge along the defensive line. But getting that, uh, that visit again um, with Florence is huge. And then they were able to, uh, you know, that visit with Holton that I was talking about, you had four Oregon coaches go out just to see those guys. You had Demetrius Martin again, Tosh Lapoy, Dan Lanning, the head coach himself, and Matt Powledge. So why I think that's significant is you have Tosh Lapoy, who's another elite, elite recruiter, uh, ties all up and down the West Coast, particularly in California. And um, so I think, you know, you just see the Ducks, you know, bringing out the big guns, essentially, uh, you know, for lack of a better phrase, with with their coaches that they're they're sending out there. Obviously, when you see Lenny there, you know it's for real. Uh, and then the Ducks also have Jaleel Tucker, um, who signed uh, during the early signing period. So, you know, they can still pitch that vision of those two guys playing together. Um, and then you have USC, right? You know, this is kind of long, but I think just with the situation that they have, 
they're coming in late. You know, however you want to look at it, they did make the final two, but Oregon has been recruiting him for so long um, and really has become known for a, the pipeline that they've established with uh, San Diego and, and Lincoln High School. Um, you know, I know that the Oregon coaching staff has a lot of great relationships with the guys out there at Lincoln. So that's a, a tremendous help. And, um, you know, I think the biggest point I want to make from this, Stephen, is I talked about the battle between Lincoln Riley and um, Dan Lanning, you know, Oregon and USC for these Southern California guys. It's definitely going to be harder, I believe, for Oregon to recruit in Southern California, let alone any other school not named USC because Lincoln Riley is an elite level recruiter. But he did just get to USC and Oregon has been building those relationships um, and, you know, has been winning, you know, these recent years. And, um, you know, putting out some some good defensive backs into the NFL. So kind of things like that are part of the reason why I think that they're in a great spot to, to land Florence. And then there's also been some reports that he's actually going to make it out to Eugene this weekend for uh, another visit. Um, and I think that that ultimately falls in line with um, the coaching change and recruits getting an, an extra official visit to, uh, you know, meet the new staff and, and see their vision. Yeah. Made a lot of great points there. Um, I think it, it was really crucial, like you mentioned, that you know once Landing and company kind of took over, that they did not waste a minute in terms of getting back in touch with Florence, making sure that he knew that the University of Oregon was still completely committed to his recruitment and that they wanted him desperately to be a duck. Uh, you know, the the recruiting visits down south uh, that you mentioned, I think, played a big part into that as well, and. Uh, you know, he'd be an elite grab. He'd be an elite grab. Uh, it would be a win over USC. Uh, the, we always got to keep track of those, chalk those up and uh, keep a tally of those every time we can, especially again with the, with the Travis die news. I think, I think ducks are kind of seeing our duck fans are, are pretty anti USC right now. And so it'd be great to get a, a just a quick victory in terms of, uh, you know, plucking somebody from their literal backyard and uh, bringing up, bringing them up to Eugene. But yeah, I think it, USC is going to have an advantage built in, obviously, every time they've got a Southern California recruit, because you know that those kids have grown up mainly watching USC football, you know, most likely. Um, and the glitz and the glam of L.A. and, you know, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, those golden years, which seem like forever ago now. But it's still something that I think they can market. And so, yeah, there is that built in disadvantage. And don't you want to play at home in front of your friends and your family? which is a big reason why Travis Dye, I think, believe, uh, you know, decided to transfer down there is because he's a SoCal kid and, you know, it means a lot for him and his new fiance to be down there and, you know, uh, spend his final year of college down there in front of his family and his friends. So there's already all of those disadvantages. Okay. But the fact that Oregon still continues to win down there speaks to those relationships. And when it comes down to it, I think the relationships are much more important than the, the glitz and the glam that come with USC. One final point that I kind of want to just add here, Stephen, don't want to spend too much time on one guy. Um, but, you know, you obviously talk, <clears throat> you obviously, excuse me, talk about the position in need at cornerback. Yep. Uh, the dude's just an awesome athlete. You see on tape here all the value that he adds in the return game and how he can make plays after these interceptions. Um, but I think with some of these guys, like you were talking about, they, they grow up in Southern California, you know, you know, watching USC, rooting for UFC. USC just they haven't had that elite level product consistently in a long time exactly so, it's been uh, forever a, a lot so a lot of these guys that we're talking about that you know maybe are in Southern California they, they really haven't been able to grow up and see USC in those glory years um you know 
be it as it may, that that was maybe a little bit more extended and they did win national championships, obviously with the likes of Pete Carroll, Oregon's been winning now, you know, they, they were right there in contention for the PAC 12 title against Utah. Um, this, as soon as this season and what was USC doing, they were looking for a new coach and, you know, things had just completely fallen apart. So I do think that, you know, how they've been playing recently definitely comes into play here. And uh, yeah, I, I really think that the ducks have a great spot to, are in a great spot to, to get Florence back in the fold. And, and uh, you know, what, what a, what a big win he would be uh, for this staff on signing day. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on uh, and talk about uh, our next guy. I do want to acknowledge Andrew's comment that I put up here on the chat. He said, looks like uh, Halton is gone for boomer. Lord, I hope some of these 50, 50 people commit Florence. Maybe most of all can't stand to lose again to USC. So yeah, we already talked about that. Let me get our next guy up here on the screen so I can get some highlights. We are going to be talking about 2022 Puyallup offensive lineman, Dave Uli. Uh, you guys obviously know how big and important it is uh, for, for Oregon to be successful in the trenches. Um, I think that that's obviously huge um, given the, the physical kind of identity that the Ducks have really taken on lately just to kind of get people up to speed, some of the, the recent moves that he's kind of made. Uh, he actually made it out to Miami for a visit with Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal. You know, those were obviously the, the two biggest recruiters for him when he was committed to Oregon at one point in this recruiting process. Um, so I thought it was really big for him to get out there. You know, with, with Yuli, I know that he wants to kind of, uh, I think it's important for him rather that he's kind of close to his family from from what I've been able to, you know, gather and um, I know that USC was right there uh, before he committed to Oregon, and he really liked that visit. Um, so the the fact that you know he went out to Miami, I think, makes them a legit contender. But uh, I think that he, uh, you know, with him coming back to Oregon this weekend, you know, that's kind of the big point I want to get to here. Ducks getting him on campus this weekend is what it's looking like, um, from what I'm hearing um, from some sources. I think that's huge to get that last visit uh, ahead of signing day. And, uh, you know, they only signed one offensive lineman in the 2022 class uh, right now in Michael Wooten during the early signing period. You, you could definitely use the reinforcements there. But I also feel like if they don't, even if they don't end up getting Yuli, the offensive line's a position that's been such a priority and it's been built up so well of late. It's not the end of the world if you miss on a guy like Yuli, but would for sure be a huge add. Yeah, you know, with with Cristobal leaving, the first thing that I was worried about were the offensive line recruits. That's what I thought was going to go first because Cristobal is an offensive lineman and he he's with the big guys in practice. That was a well-known thing that he would be hanging out with those guys during practice most of the time. And so, you know, with Cristobal's departure, it didn't shock me that he, you know, took that trip to Miami. And it sounds, from what I've read, it sounds like the trip to Miami was a pretty – you know, resounding success for Cristobal. However, yeah, the last visit is huge. And, you know, when you're just recency bias is a natural human, human thing, right? So um, where was I last, you know, could be what maybe that could be the deciding factor. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, home seems to be pretty important to this kid in terms of having, having those ties and not being too far away from them. So let's hope that that's, that's a kicker for him. Um, but I think it would be, it would be a big, big ad for the ducks when you've got the entire offensive line recruiting this, this or returning this upcoming season, which is huge. But uh, I think that's a really good opportunity for these offensive 
line recruits and underclassmen to, you know, really learn and develop. And so I think for the future, not necessarily for 2022 in terms of his impact, if the ducks do land him, but I think he's somebody pretty important to think about when we're talking about the overall future here in the next three, four seasons. Man, I can't help but get excited when I watch this film here that, that we're looking at Steven, you know, just yeah. seeing him toss guys around, like it's absolutely nothing. Um, it's, it's just, you know, you want to see a guy like that, uh, you know, on your team, if, if you're an Oregon fan, um, but what I was going to say with, with Yuli, uh, oh, the other point I meant, I wanted to say the Ducks don't have the whole line coming back. They, they did lose George Moore, but with, with the depth that they have coming back, that means that Yuli isn't a guy that, that they need to play right away. You know, he, he's obviously a pretty big dude. And, and I think that, you know, he could benefit from, from getting into that, uh, you know, college strength and conditioning program, but obviously you can see how well he moves for a guy, his size. And I'm sure that's what, you know, Adrian Clem and the likes of the rest of the staff are, are really you know, liking so far, um, you know, when you see him. So great for them to get him back on campus this weekend. Kind of, you know, I think they can show him again, you know, this is why you fell in love with Oregon. You know, I'm sure they can pick up some of those points that the previous staff, uh, you know, hit on when when they were hosting him on, on a visit here in Eugene. And um, I think this is another guy that, that the Ducks have to be in, in great position to, to get back in the fold. But I mean, you look at Lincoln Riley and, and his staff, they're just cleaning house right now on the recruiting trail, albeit in the transfer portal. So I feel like those are kind of two separate things because you have prep and college people, but at their college players, but at the same time, like, you know, end of the day, if you get a guy from the portal, that's still a recruiting win. Right. So it's, it's definitely, there's, there's no share of competition. There's no shortage rather of competition. You got Lincoln Riley at USC and you know, what we learned, what did we learn when Cristobal was here, Steven? nobody is is off the table for for a guy like that and then with how awesome Mirabal was at recruiting offensive linemen I mean I'd say this one's far far from a done deal definitely far from a done deal I would not be I I wouldn't be super confident uh, if I was going to be crystal balling him but or in terms of Oregon but yeah geez this tape I mean the amount of times that he's pulling and just the the quickness that he has as as a pulling a lot of these highlights, it looks like he's pulling as a center. So think about that. He's snapping the ball and pulling. I, I, you never see that. So that's incredible. When he's at guard, he's pulling really well. Uh, and like you mentioned earlier, he's just laying kids out. And so um, this is a kid where the strength and, de- and development, I think, would be huge for him. Uh, being you know in that program for a year, but he's already got that natural quickness. So I. <laughs> like right there. Jeez. I think, uh, I think it'd be a big gift for the ducks and I, I do hope that they land him. All right. Um, trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to add about, about Yuli. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, getting, getting into the, the state of Washington in this class would, would definitely be a, a plus for, for landing. You know, he's uh, that was one of the States that he went to, uh, you know, stop by on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, uh, the, the Oregon staff, tapping in with, with some of these, uh, local schools and, and programs, you know, he, he went by, uh, you know, FSP Ford sports performance, um, you know, one of the top seven on seven training groups, uh, you know, in, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so I think you can see that the, the staff is, is making that those efforts to, to build those relationships and connections with, with those elite level talent, uh, you know, talent factories, if you want to call them that you know, here closer to home, because as much as Lanny wants to recruit nationally, I'm sure he does. You you definitely don't want to be, you know, short-sighted and, and miss out on those guys that, that are here. 
uh, closer to Eugene on the West Coast and, and capable of, you know, contributing for you uh, early. 100%. I mean, you want to be able to legitimately be able to go to any kid's house anywhere in the country and have a have a legitimate chance of landing them and being able to be confident about that with your staff. However, it would be incredibly short-sighted to not look for talent in your backyard. It's there's just so many different factors that play into that being a quote unquote easier recruitment process for a coach. So it's like we mentioned earlier at USC, you know, kids watching USC and becoming fans of that down in LA. Well, with Oregon's consistency over the past, you know, 10 seasons or so you've overall, you've got to think that pretty much any kid who grows up in Oregon is going to be really high on considering the ducks uh, when they're, when they're trying to figure out where they want to play. So you've got to be able to, it's one of the key balances in recruiting is being able to dominate your backyard literally, and then being able to expand that backyard to, to extend to essentially whatever coast you're on. And then the goal is to then make the nation um, your side yard, I guess, right. Something that you can go to anytime. Absolutely. All right. That'll, that'll do it for you. Lee want to get to our, our next guy and someone that uh, is being asked about in the chat. So let me, let me get this set up here. We're going to talk about 2022 wide receiver, tight end, uh, Arliss Boardingham. That question coming from Andrew, any news of 2022 wide receivers that could be a late ad Boardingham uh, sounds more like a tight end. Yeah, so I mean, I've talked to Boardingham a couple times throughout the recruiting process. Uh, you know, he he announced like Florence a, a final two. However, this time there's you know a huge disparity between the two as far as distance goes. Yeah. Announcing a final two of Oregon and Florida. Um, he was in Florida for his official visit, uh, not this last weekend, but the weekend before that. Um, you know, so that's the the visit that is you know the freshest in his mind right now, if you will. And then when I talked to him, he told me that the uh, Florida staff uh, came by his school last week. So you figure, uh, you know, they, they probably got some some good face time with him uh, to, you know, show him that he's a priority and, uh, you know, just show him that love. And I know that the, his his family obviously went on the visit with him. And um, he told me that, you know, Florida's vision and, and his vision really aligned. Um, he was looking for a place that he's going to be able to, you know, compete for, for playing time. He doesn't want to just be a guy. Um, that that's there and that has to wait. And I think you see that with a lot of recruits, you know, no one really commits to a school thinking that they're going to have to to wait, but that is the case, you know, with, with some, some of these guys, I think that uh, this really does look like a 50, 50 battle um, right now, a true 50, 50 battle. Uh, one of them that's more up in the air, but I think you can see the obvious upside when you have a guy who's six, four, six, five, and, you know, two two twenty around there. He also runs track in the spring. Um, so he just does a lot of different things. You know, there's even highlights like we have on the screen right now. Um, you know, there, there's highlights uh, of him doing some stuff for, for uh, Birmingham. That's his high school out in Van Nuys, California, out of the Wildcat. So I think he's definitely a, a really intriguing option. Uh, I, if, you're, if you're Oregon, you, you feel pretty good about your tight end depth, I think, right now. Uh, if you're looking at um, – I know that Kenny Dillingham's plan for him is to kind of use him as a flex, like a wide receiver tight end hybrid type of deal. But you got Terrence Ferguson, who had a great freshman year. Malika Matavao, who had a great freshman year. Both of those guys were instant contributors pretty much right away. Uh, and then you have uh, you have Spencer Webb in that room. I believe Cam McCormick's coming back too. So um, not necessarily a position of need if you're looking at the tight ends in particular. But but with all the attrition that we saw at the wide receiver room, I think it could definitely be a, a smart ad for Oregon to uh, add another pass catcher and an offensive weapon like Boardingham. 
I agree completely. I think that in terms of overall need, the tight end room is probably a little bit more set than the wide receiver uh, room is right now. However, the kid's like already 6'4", 220. So, you know, he's just going to grow and get bigger in terms of weight while he's on a uh, college uh, strength and conditioning program. So I think that lends it to, you know, he'll eventually be mostly playing tight end. But yeah, he's a freak athlete, plays both sides of the ball uh, in high school, played out of the wildcat a little bit, slot, uh, plays out wide. So he, number 20 overall player in the class, I think I saw. Um, huge disparity in terms of difference in, with uh, distance in the two schools he's considering. It's obviously Florida and Eugene. But I do think it's interesting that this is another example of a fresh coaching staff that, is in a fight with Oregon. Uh, it seems like um, that's, you know, it's just been happening a lot lately. Uh, it will with USC, obviously that's a given, but uh, I just think that's an interesting aspect to it as well. Uh, with him being out from California, you hope that, you know, maybe staying back, staying out West uh, is something that is important to him. Uh, and, you know, with Oregon being his last visit uh, again, I think that is, is just advantageous in itself, uh, but we'll see. I mean, Florida, you know, has got a pretty good history of pass catchers, both at, both at the wide receiver position and at the tight end position. Most recently, we're thinking Kyle Pitts, right? And I think mm -hmm. that plays a lot into recruits' minds is they're seeing who's getting drafted and they want to step into those shoes. They know that there's a program built for success around that position. And they see basically, if I just have, if I just go in and perform, uh, the system's kind of already there. And so uh, I think that that plays a lot into it as well. So hopefully... Uh, that won't be the deciding factor. And he, and he chooses the ducks because this is a guy who's extremely raw and just like super, super athletic runs track. Like you mentioned. Um, and he's just, as you can tell from these highlights, he's running all over the field. He's just a beast. So uh, he's somebody where if you could get him in here and have landing and company kind of go at him in the lab for a year or two uh, and then figure out where he's going to be uh, in terms of tight end or receiver. I think the potential is sky high with this kid. Yeah, so like I said earlier, you know, Boardingham is expected to be on campus uh, this weekend uh, for an official visit uh, with the Ducks. Um, I think, you know, they make a great point, Stephen, about, you know, what programs can can sell, can pitch to their uh, recruits. Um, and, you know, Florida definitely has Oregon beat, whether it be in that department as far as prospects and, and NFL talent that they've had uh, at that position. You know, you think uh, about, you know, the, the Florida guys and Kyle Pitts, obviously, so I think uh, I don't want to you know touch too much on, on your point, but I do think that's a great point that uh, you know is is probably going to be in play here. I do think that if the Ducks you know do a solid job on the visit, uh, they're they're definitely going to position themselves well to maybe uh, land a commitment from Boardingham, um, especially with the, the presence that they had they've had in Southern California. Um, and for all we know, you know they, they might have seen him, and we just he just didn't post about it or we didn't hear about it uh, you know on social media. So. There's a lot of things to consider here, but I, I think that the Ducks are, are in a great spot uh, once again, and um, this would definitely be a, a good ad. But I wouldn't be surprised at the same time, as I kind of want to talk about a little bit later here, um, if, if the Ducks didn't you know, make a massive splash on, on, on signing day. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but you just think if you're Dan Landing, you have to be really careful managing this first class because you don't want to take too many and then um, you know, sh uh, shorten or lower rather um, the, the number of guys that, that you can have in the 23 class, which is ultimately going to be the, the first, you know, true sample of Dan Lanning recruiting at Oregon. Cause those are going to be all of his guys. I agree. He does have to manage it. It's going to be really interesting how he does with it because 
like on its surface, when you're recruiting, you want to be able to have just overall the top list of guys that you can, uh, regardless of position. You want to just have as many stars as you can, you know, bundled, bundled up together. But there are only 11 sides or 11 spots of, you know, of, of playing time on either side of the ball for every snap. And so Oregon's already got, as we all know, a massively talented team uh, in terms, you know, already with potential wise. And I'm talking about just with its being such a youthful team. Uh, I believe three quarters of the team last season were underclassmen. So you've got to be able to, you've, every, with every recruiting class, you've got to be able to sort of predict, okay, where may the future transfers come from, right? So that's part of managing that all together. And it'll be interesting to see like where the dominoes fall. But I do agree. I think there is going to be one big splash. I think there is going to be something on signing day where somebody picks Oregon that's, you know, maybe was crystal balled for somebody else or is just, uh, maybe just totally out of right field, but either way, I do think they'll make at least one splash. All right, there you go, and that's a good point to end it on with with uh, Boardingham. Um, Want to talk about another guy uh, here? So give me just a second. He got he got uh, asked in the comments, so I want to make sure we hit on him. Andrew Paul, uh, I talked about him uh, yesterday. If you guys watched my video um, on uh, the running back situation uh, at Oregon and kind of the the picture. Uh, heading into next year, um, you know, with, with uh, Travis Dye committing to USC and then Verdell declaring for the NFL draft, uh, certainly, you know, shaking up a lot of stuff, uh, you know, looking into to next year and then here on the recruiting trail. This question coming from Scott Dolphin. Thanks for asking the question and thanks for tuning into the show, Scott. I really appreciate you. Uh, Scott, do we know if Andrew Paul is going to make a visit to Oregon this weekend? Um, you know, this is a guy that, that Oregon certainly wants to get on campus this weekend. You know, I, I've been talking to uh, a couple sources, you know, uh, about Andrew Paul. And, um, you know, we're, we're still waiting to see if he is ultimately going to make it out to, to Oregon right now. Um, we do know that some of his official visits that he's taken so far in the recruiting process. You have Colorado that got an official visit back in December before the early signing period. And then uh, Michigan recently got a visit. And then uh, as as uh, recently as last weekend, Andrew Paul was out at Clemson. So, you know, Dabo Sweeney knows a thing or two about recruiting top end talent. And then after he got off uh, back from that visit, rather uh, Andrew Paul announced that he had uh, received an offer from Georgia. So, you know, he, he's just a guy who everyone's kind of hopping in on here that, uh, you know, is still looking for a running back and, and he's super, super talented playing out of parish Episcopal in, in the Dallas area. Um, I really like the way that he runs um, so I, I can't confirm that he's going to be here in Eugene, but at the same time, I wouldn't at all be surprised if he ends up taking his trip out to Eugene. Um, I think he has two official visits left, um, but you know, with one weekend remaining, um, you figure it's probably only going to be one more trip that he takes, at least before that signing period window, uh, signing day window in February. But I think uh, with it, with him, you know, really up there on, on the you know big board for the Ducks. I think one other note that I wanted to mention since we're talking about running backs, uh, the Ducks did host Jordan James out of uh, Oakland High School in, in the Tennessee area. Um, he was on campus for a visit. Uh, I'm trying to get in contact with him to kind of see where things are at, but it's kind of just interesting when you look at the Ducks hosting a 2022 Georgia commit for a visit, and then Andrew Paul, who the Ducks are red hot after, gets an offer from Georgia um, You know, as we get closer to signing day here. So, it kind of just makes you think, you know, what's kind of at play here and, um, you know, what, where where would the Ducks like to go here if they can get whoever they want, uh, you know, with not whoever they want, but, you know, 
in an ideal world, who do the Ducks want to add in the on the recruiting trail and then uh, in the transfer portal as well at the running back spot? Yeah, and running back's going to be just really interesting to see how it all plays out with regards to the prep guys who either commit or don't commit or the transfer portal and what's going to happen with that. Um, you know, just because with the the upheaval, I guess you could say, with the running back room here in Eugene in the past week, week and a half, uh, that's, I think, the most interesting positional, you know, uh, story here. So, you know, Paul's a beast, man. Like 31 touchdowns, I believe, this past year is super overlooked. Uh, for everything that I've seen uh, wasn't didn't really come onto the trail uh, really hot early on in his high school career. Uh, I, I couldn't couldn't agree more with his, with your point about liking the way that he runs. I mean, when you watch how he attacks the hole, it looks like you could put a cup of coffee on his helmet. and You wouldn't spill a drop the way he's running down the field with that um, with that speed and that balance. And so um, I've heard him described uh, in, in a couple articles, Bo Jackson light which I thought was pretty interesting, but this kid's a gamer and the running back room, the sh- the shaping out of that is going to be hugely important to the success of this team. So whether it's Paul, whether it's Jordan James, um, whether it's a transfer, uh, these are all, these are all things that I think certainly Doug fans should be keeping their eyes on because I think that's the most important position uh, in terms of what happens here with signing day. Okay. That's an interesting point. I think that, um, you know, I'd say it's important. I don't know if I'd say it's the most important right now. And I'm going to tell you why, because of uh, another comment that we got, another question, uh, comment, I should just say. Um, this coming from Breezy, and he's saying Kristen Miller to the O. Uh, so let me switch up the highlights here so you guys can see who we're talking about and get a, a better better understanding of kind of what, what we're looking at prospect-wise. So let me just switch this over. Appreciate the patience. So Kristen Miller is a defensive lineman, huge, huge, big time name that was uh, out here uh, in Eugene for a visit um, about two weeks ago, I believe it was his uh, official visit. And, uh, you know, he's a defensive lineman, one of the higher rated guys still left on the board, um, just to kind of give some more background on, uh, you know, who we're looking at here. 247 has him as the number 102 player in the nation number 14 defensive lineman and the number nine prospect in Georgia, Georgia rather listed at 6'4, 294. And since we're talking about him, I think that he is actually, I'd say more important than the, the running back spot. I know that the numbers are kind of thin and not the ideal uh, situation for the ducks. Um, but I think that they're going to get that figured out probably a little bit more easily than they are the defensive line. Um, you know, you talked about seven McGee. I think it's going to be interesting to see if he's more used as a receiver or uh, a running back, but to Miller, I think that the ducks have just been lacking on the defensive line in, in their recruiting department. I mean, that that's no slight to the guys that are here. You know, that there's a lot of great players. You know, you look at Popo Amavai who's coming back. That's huge. Um, I think uh, Brandon Dorless has obviously been an awesome contributor, but a guy like Kristen Miller is the one that you need to add to your class. And it's just, you see Dan Lanning get hired. And then what do you know, a guy from Georgia that's still on the market shows up for a visit. So that's not to say that they're going to get him, but that's the Dan Lanning factor. I feel like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the two have met before the visit. Uh, You know, he had a cool picture posted on his uh, Twitter of him and Lanning during the visit. And I think he said something about along the lines of, you know, this is Pete. Uh, you know, you think about the the slang that's kind of trending with with recruits and the whole new song with with Gunna talking about pushing P. Um, I can't 
provide any context into what that means. I need to learn more about that. But that's beside the point, Steven. This is a big-time <laughs> dude. Ducks need help, man, on the defensive line with, with guys like KT heading to the NFL draft. And I think if you can get a guy like this, it'd be a heck of a start for Dan Lanning on the recruiting trail because big-time defensive linemen are not easy to come by. 100%. And, you know, this kid's a game wrecker. That's what you're really looking for with interior linemen is not somebody to just plug up a hole, but somebody to really disrupt the plays. And he's extremely explosive, super quick, uh, great twitch interior uh, in terms of, or, you know, for somebody his size. Now, what I really hope Lanning's doing with this kid is granted, he's about 50 pounds smaller than him, but I hope he's saying, Hey, I was just coaching Jordan Davis for the last few years. And uh, you should see what we did with that kid. Um, this kid to me, again, he's a, he's smaller, but that's sort of the first thing that I thought of when I was watching his, his highlights, I was like, Ooh, this kid's like a little, like a smaller, young, younger brother, Jordan Davis kind of feel. So I'm curious to see if you have that sort of same impression when you were watching some of his tape, but with the landing connection, I hope that that's what he's pitching to the kid because that's who I would want to emulate if I was an interior lineman right now, uh, from the state of Georgia. Right. So, um, it would, you're right. Name wise, that would be the biggest land that the ducks could get arguably, uh, for the, for just individual names. Um, so it would be huge. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, so we, 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 we've ran through some guys, you know, Florence, uh, we talked about Andrew Paul in the running back position. Kristen Miller's definitely got to be up there. I think the, the easiest way I can kind of sum this up 
is I feel like we know how important it is to win in the trenches. We've yep. seen the big time offensive linemen come to Oregon. We've seen the you know direct impact that they've had at Oregon. You look at Panay Sewell, uh, you look at Ryan Walk, you know, a variety. There's a number of guys you could point to. The Ducks have been winning in the trenches, but it's been more so on the offensive side of the ball than the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. Agreed. And Agreed. that's why you need to bring a guy like this to Eugene, and man, he'd be a huge add. It looks like you had a point you wanted to add. No, I was just going to say, uh, like I totally agree that the Ducks overall have, have really been hitting it on the offensive line in terms of getting those dominant kind of guys. But uh, and, and, you, and Oregon has done it on the edge. I think they've recruited great the last couple of years. KT obviously is one is the biggest name in terms of edge rushers. But yeah, those interior beasts are are often overlooked in terms of their importance to the team because they're the kind of guys where they don't need to make a tackle every play to have a huge impact on on what goes on if they just get themselves into the backfield on a regular basis and blow up the blocking assignments it's going to open up can you imagine if he the lanes that could open up with a guy like noah sewell behind him or justin Flo running into those lanes that he busts up with uh going at the centers and the guards i mean they've got to be salivating at the potential of getting a guy like this so that's i think another aspect to this is the importance of those inside uh, inside interior defensive linemen is that they're they're off the hook a lot of the times in terms of making the actual play. They just need to blow it up, and this kid's a specialist at that. Yeah, one last thing I want to add uh, about Miller uh, to kind of just get people up to speed. We talked about how he got out here to Oregon. Uh, last weekend, he took a visit out to Florida A&M, um, and they, they had some super cool uh, photo shoots with, with him. I saw a picture of him. Maybe I can actually pull it up just because – why uh why waste time talking about it when I can just show you what it looks like? Um, so give me a second to see if I can get that up on uh on my end here. But um, just like I said, to, to get people up to speed, he he did visit Florida A and M. So kind of tracking where a lot of these guys are are spending some of those those final official visits, right? Um, as we as we head towards a signing period here uh next uh next week, let me see. So let me let me get this up. Check this picture out. Look at how cool that is. I mean, there's no way that's a real snake, right? Like, that's just straight up dangerous. No chance. No chance. Um, but, like, that's just icy. Like, I, I just like that picture a lot. Um, FAMU coming in hot. Okay, FAMU, I see you. Yeah, so um, that that's, you know, kind of just a cool update there. And then it looks like Mario Cristobal and Joe Salavea, you know, they had a, a previous relationship, obviously, when they were recruiting him at Oregon. So uh, you're, you figure you're much closer and, and crystal ball is obviously going to take a shot with, with, with guys like that. Um, so, you know, he, he's pulling up to, to have that in-home visit. Maybe Miami ha- has a good shot, but I, I say all of this, you know, maybe Oregon, Oregon is a real contender we see here, but at the end of the day, this is a guy from Georgia. Georgia just won the national championship. I mean, it's, it's hard as much as you want to pitch the relationships, Dan Landing coming to Oregon, I think getting him on campus is obviously a win in itself. But there are some guys that are just from Georgia. They grow up rooting for Georgia. And, you know, there, there's no better time for them to hop in the in the boat with Kirby Smart fresh off of a national championship. That's He can say, this is my vision. I went out and executed it. And we just won a national championship. And we want you to be here and be a part of the next one. And at the end of the day, I mean, it, something like that, like a national championship can just trump whatever you have to offer, uh, you know, if, if you're at a school that hasn't done it before, like Oregon, unfortunately. One, yeah, 100%. Excellent point there. Like, 
that that really should trump everything right if if the if these kids i mean these kids are all super competitive and national championship is the biggest age you can ever get it's the most eyes they're going to have on them probably in their entire career unless they're unless they go on to do huge nfl things but to this point certainly so yeah that pitch to be able to be like no we don't just have dreams of being a national champion because everybody does landing's got a blueprint one that worked so he's, yeah, I think that's a huge, huge advantage that he has, especially again with recency, they just did it. You can be like, did you guys not see the game? Did you guys not see what we did to Alabama? Cause that can be you. Um, so, and, and, and I think that the kind of him saying, okay, look what I've done at Georgia. Now let's do that at Oregon because it hasn't been done at Oregon yet. That's when you're combining those two things of one, doing something special for the first time that recruits, I think really, really resonate with. And, and two, saying that I've got the, I've got the plan to legitimately make it happen. Uh, so jump on board because I need you to be able to be a part of this. Uh, I think that's hugely important and impactful for these recruits. Um, real quick. I just want to mention that picture that you just had up. He makes Mario Cristobal look like a small man. Like he's just <laughs> so big. Like I, the potential with this kid. So yeah, you know what? I got to say, Max, the more you've been talking about it, I think you've, I think you've swayed me in terms of the importance here. Yeah, no, for real, man. So we'll we'll see if the Ducks can can ultimately get it done. Uh, you know, the staff has been all over the country. Uh, you know, since they hosted uh, their last crop of recruits this past weekend, and and uh, maybe they made um maybe they made a stop in in Georgia. Who knows? Um, but one more guy I want to talk about. Um, actually, hold on, let's see, because I know we're coming up on an hour, and that's about what we were going for. But just kind of a quick sidebar, since we're talking about Georgia and their national championship, we've seen the heights that. Mario Cristobal got Oregon to uh, on the recruiting trail. But at the end of the day, he was just winning Pac-12 championships. What could this Oregon team do if they win a national championship recruiting? Like there's all the hypotheticals, you know, I'm sure all Oregon fans have, have heard, you know, oh, the, the O represents the, the same number of national championships you guys have. Uh, you know, all you're doing is winning the Pac-12 and, and the Pac-12 has been horrible. That's not wrong. The Pac-12 is down. Like that's why I'm excited about this Riley hire to, to get one of those premier brands kind of back to relevancy. Cause it'll just make it, make it bigger uh, for, for Oregon to, to get a win over a program like USC. But what do you think about that, Steven, you know, with, with the recruiting and, and how, how it could go to an even higher level if the ducks were to win a national championship. It's interesting. You brought that up because I've actually thought about what that would do and, Shoot, maybe I'm totally off here, but I think that if Oregon gets a national championship, that they could have a number one national class like for the next two, three years right after that, just like, you know, sort of put it put it down like with money. You know what I'm saying? Like like Lanning, if Lanning can bring one to Oregon with everything that Oregon already has in terms of their recruiting ability, facilities, tradition, swag, all of those things that are important to the kids, then a national championship is going to be just the ultimate kicker uh, that ring wearing that ring and going into somebody's somebody's home and pitching them and just having that national championship ring sit on the table while you're talking to them. I think that speaks louder than anything they could really say. So that's, you know, it's when, I, when thinking about winning a national championship, you try to, as a fan, just think about it as that year, right? Like that's your only goal for the year. We're trying to stay focused on that. And if you win, like let's appreciate it because back to back, unless you're Alabama seems to be almost impossible, but I've been thinking about it in terms of the, the long game factor as well and what that would do to open up doors and recruiting. And I feel sort of selfish thinking about it that way, but it's real, man. It's real. That, that I think is going to completely blow the top off of it. 
another another interesting part with this whole equation, Stephen, with recruiting, there's so many new aspects that have kind of hopped into the equation. You have the transfer portal, you have NIL, and it's it's hard unless you know you're some of the the higher ups to to really kind of see how that's affecting things. I mean, you could look at. Um, I was on the phone with a coach today and we were talking about Arizona and between like processing people out, uh, you know, uh, adding guys in the recruiting class, adding guys in the portal. He was talking about Arizona and I think the numbers came out to about 40, 40 new players. Like that is half your roster overhauled like that. I really like snapping like on the <laughs> podcast. Like, I don't know if people have seen that, that I've been watching for a while, but like, I really just feel like it helps me make my point. Uh, that's I just love, kind of. I a, love it, bro. I love it. <laughs> um, I think that's just kind of a little mannerism, I guess, that I've noticed lately. Uh, so hopefully, people aren't getting too upset with me about that. But that's just what I was going to say: is all that stuff is entering the equation. But at the end of the day, winning is the best recruiting tool, and that's another reason. Like I was saying earlier with Florence and the USC Oregon battle, Oregon's winning now. USC has not won in a while. Uh, that's not to say that they're not going to be a recruiting giant because I think that they are, but you know, with, 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 um, yeah, with the Kristen Miller conversation, I, I don't know. I think that that obviously makes Georgia look that much more appealing. Um, and then we also got, uh, another comment that, um, I, I wanted to, to talk about before we talked about our last guy, as we get up on an hour here, uh, breezy was asking again, thanks for the question. Any chance we flip Jordan James? I've noticed that we got him on campus and had a home visit today. Yes, they did. Uh, Carlos Lachlan, Oregon running back coach, uh, hitting the road recruiting. I mean, if you saw this guy last week, I think he hit about half, maybe three quarters of the schools in Florida. Also made it out to Texas. Like this dude has been everywhere, as has you know, as have rather a lot of the Oregon coaches. But I think you know, getting in home here, like I said with Rashada earlier, like with Lanning, um, he was just here, and then you get the coaches in front of him again. I think that obviously clearly shows that Oregon is prioritizing him. Um, you know, on the, on the recruiting trail, uh, you know, he's definitely feeling that love from, from the Oregon staff, getting in home, getting in front of the family, showing that you're willing to travel all across the country, you know, and I say all that, Steven, and, you know, other programs are doing that, right. You know, it's not like, Oh, Oregon's the only one doing that. And that's what makes recruiting so interesting to follow. You see, you know, it's kind of a level playing field and, you know, you'll see the programs that are really buying in and clearly you can see from this Oregon staff that they're buying in early. Um, I think that, you know, getting him on campus obviously has the Ducks right there in contention. It kind of just comes back to how are things looking with Broussard, who was here visiting from the transfer, uh, not from the transfer portal, but he's in the transfer portal. He's the Colorado transfer running back. Uh, Andrew Paul uh, is hopefully going to get on campus. If, if you're a Duck fan, you got to hope to get him on campus. But it all kind of comes back to how does the staff want to manage those numbers and how are they kind of ranking their options? That's something we just don't know right now. Yeah. Uh, first off, I don't think the Oregon staff staff sleeps. Carlos uh, Lachlan specifically. I don't think they've been sleeping at all. And I love that. Uh, they've been hitting the trail really hard. So I commend the staff for that. Um, yeah. It, it, if somebody's taking a, la- a last minute visit, then you've got to just assume that they're in the mix. I don't think that you're going on these last visits uh, if you don't really have, you know, a legitimate interest in potentially going there. So super encouraging. Um, back to, you know, just something I said earlier, in my opinion, um, you know, if this isn't the most important thing, that it's definitely one B in terms of importance for the Ducks recruiting, and that's with the running back room because right now, like Byron Cardwell obviously showed, you know, tons of promise, and I think he's I think he's probably 
RB one as of right now, like today. Um, but that being said, um, what are we, you know, running backs, they get dinged up all the time. I mean, we've got th- two or three scholarship running backs right now as of today. So, um, you know, I, I think that you need to have at least one other big name in there. Uh, just, just cause you got to assume somebody's going to get hurt. So I think that, you know, either getting, either getting James or getting Paul is extremely, extremely important. Uh, one of those two guys. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, two running backs, regardless of if it's one from prep, one from the portal or both from prep, I think they need two running backs, Max. I really think they do. All right. Well, that's what we got to see how, how things shake out there. The last guy that we want to talk about here, and then we'll get some kind of final thoughts. I, uh, Steven, I know he was getting asked about in the chat earlier in the show, a Marion Winston out of the Portland area. Um, I think, you know, obviously duck fans will, will probably recognize this name with his brother, Lamar Winston being a, a former duck. Um, and then Winston being a former commit himself, you know, out, out of uh, central Catholic, um, you know, some of the, the updates that we kind of know about him. He was recently out in Gainesville, like boarding him. We were talking about earlier. He was out in Gainesville for a visit. Um, but I was kind of wondering myself, you know, is, is Oregon going to be prioritizing him uh, on the recruiting trail uh, with, you know, kind of some of the numbers that we see and the, and the needs on, on, a, on defense. Um, it seems like he's kind of a tweener when it looks like the, between like the linebacker and defensive line, I think he's ultimately probably going to end up being a guy that plays with his hand in the dirt. So maybe lean more towards that defensive line role. But that question that I just posed, how much of a priority is he going to be I think we got that answer when we saw Dan Lane and coach Don Johnson uh, go in home with him for a visit this week. Um, you know, and I think with, with, uh, with Oregon and, and kind of, you know, some of the connections that we, we can uh, draw here, Don Johnson was a former coach in the Portland area before he came to Oregon. So, you know, he's plugged in out there and he's got great relationships out there getting Dan landing the, the head coach of the program to, to be uh, you know, in home with him is obviously, uh, you know, a sign that there's that priority. Um, and then, you know, when you're also talking about how are their chances looking to, to get Winston back in the fold come signing day, he announces here today on Wednesday uh, that he's going to be in Eugene for a visit this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think Lanning is, this is another one of those examples where Lanning's kind of, uh, you know, success recently at Georgia has been really appealing to this kid. Um, reason I say that is just because, um, you know, he tweeted after landing won that game, you know, dangerous man, Dan, it's quacking. So you've got to, again, it's just another thing that has an impact on these recruits. I agree with his size. I think he's like 240 right now. So again, you have to assume that these guys are going to put on size as they get into a weight program uh, D1 level. So I think he is going to be somebody that plays with his hand in the ground, or at least is mostly coming off the edge if in a two point stance, but I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to end up as a linebacker. Um, But this would just be another, you know, you know, the, the staff is clearly trying to solidify itself as a defensive minded program. And I, I love that. And uh, this would be just another you know piece of that puzzle, uh, sort of solidifying that philosophy for landing and company. And that's a great point, Stephen. I think, you know, as we think about some of the guys that the Ducks are still in on, um, particularly the 2022 class, you've got to figure that they probably have a better shot with the, with the defensive, uh, you know, players. But um, to that point, I think that, signing day is going to be a great opportunity for this, these offensive coaches to say, Hey, maybe we're looking like a defensive minded program because that might very well be what ends up happening with the way that uh, 
you know, the staff was assembled and Lanny being a former DC, but I feel like about the offensive staff, I'm like, Hey, we can, we can make some noise ourselves over here. It's not just going to be about defense. 100%. Yeah. The, the balance on both sides of the ball is going to be what wins the ducks championships, right? In terms of recruiting prowess, I think the defense is sort of got to lead the charge here. Um, especially with landing. Uh, and, and that's, what's going to be, that's, what's going to be most attractive to these kids. When it comes down to it, I think what's going to bring a championship to Oregon is going to be the defense. Oregon's offense has been dominant in the past based off of the, you know, if we're talking about the rest of the nation here and has got it done. If we really want to compete with the big boys, um, I think this last national championship was like just a really great example of how a powerful defense, no matter how high profile the offense is, even if you have a Heisman winning quarterback under center or in shotgun, that if you have a quality defense with a bunch of dudes on it that are just dogs, then you can, you can beat anybody in the country. So, uh, and you'll win a national title. And so I think that that, um, that sort of emphasis and that kind of proven, clearly proven method is what's going to be um, sort of Oregon's recruiting brand going forward. But that's just my early hypothesis. Without a doubt. All right. Uh, Marion Winston, definitely a name to keep an eye on as he heads to Eugene for uh, what makes what's shaping up to be his final trip before national signing day next week. Uh, Steven, as we kind of wind down here, we've hit on a ton of guys just in this episode alone. And it was an hour and I, there's a bunch of other guys we could talk about too. Um, we're going to have a visitor list story, um, you know, maybe t- tomorrow, if, if not early Friday, but I'm, I'm hoping for tomorrow up on uh, Ducks Digest. So definitely keep an eye out for that. But as we wind down, you know, do you have any other thoughts just on recruiting on Oregon football that uh, maybe we didn't get to that you kind of wanted to make sure we put out there tonight? No, I mean, overall, like you said, it was a, it was a really good discussion. We talked about a bunch of different guys really appreciate you know, the people who chimed in and, and, you know, talked about the guys that you guys wanted us to speak on, uh, you know, really love interacting and engaging with you guys, but I'm so stoked for signing day. Like you said, I think there is going to be a splash or two uh, for the ducks, no pun intended. So it's going to be, um, it's just going to be really exciting to watch what happens here in the next week or so with, with visits and heading into signing day. Um, and these final decisions that these kids make, it's uh something that obviously has a huge impact on the success of a program. So um, landing's first. A program. Yes, you're right. I got to get into the habit of that. We are a program program now. Podcast. We are a program podcast, podcast, not a program podcast. 100%. Please continue. I apologize. We are a program (laughs) uh, podcast out here. So uh, yeah, I just, I just think that it's going to be really interesting to see what landing can do with his first class. And if he can, Again, it just goes back to if he he hadn't he hasn't had an entire you know recruiting season to be able to do this. So if he can have a really good class this year and then has success in year one on the field, whew, I am I would be nervous if I was some other big programs uh, in terms of the next couple of years in recruiting. Yeah, it really feels like that that momentum and and that steam is is kind of building up as we head into next week. Um, there's a couple, um, last quick notes that, that I wanted to touch on. Um, cause I know we mentioned Rashada earlier and he's a 2023 guy. Um, you know, he announced his top 10, uh, in the fall, I think it was, or if uh, it was maybe in December, but either way it was recently, uh, and Oregon landed there on, on the, you know, the top 10. Um, I think that the ducks are obviously in a great spot, uh, after I talked to him, um, again, another update you guys can read over on Ducks Digest uh, for the full story. 
since we're probably not going to be able to get uh, everything in, in this podcast, but I think the Ducks are in a great spot. Um, you know, I, I'd maybe even go as far as saying the driver's seat, you know, as in like the leaders, um, you know, he's a guy that, that wants to take his official visits right away. You know, that's, that's early in the spring, you know, for these 2023 guys, um, he wants to take his visits and, um, you know, kind of after that, you know, commit, he wants to, to make that decision. So he can, he really realizes that the quarterback can be the face of a class and he wants to get to work at wherever he ends up going, building out that class. Uh, he, he talked really highly of Kenny Dillingham on his visit. He was talking about, you know, that was one of my favorite parts of the visit was just getting on that chalkboard and, and talking right. football with, with Kenny Dillingham. He sees, he told me they see really eye to eye and that's obviously a, a big part of the, the success there. His family are starting to the success, uh, you know, how well the visit went, I should say. Um, and, um, you know, his, his family was on the visit with him last weekend and, and he, you know, talked really highly about how landing, uh, you know, himself made, made the family feel really welcome. He talked about, he wants to be able to compete for a national championship and, uh, you know, he wants to, to have uh, a good situation to walk into just another cool connection that, that he has, um, with, with, um, you know, Oregon is he's former teammates with Jay Butterfield. So another yep. quarterback who can tell him what things are like at Oregon. So that's yep. awesome. And um, yeah, so like, there, like I said, there's, there's so many guys that, that we can talk about, but since I mentioned him earlier, I felt, uh, you know, inclined to, to make sure I could give the, the viewers and the listeners uh, just a little tidbit on, on kind of what we were hearing scoop wise. Yeah. And just real quick on that, I think it's really huge that he took, that he took a to- the time to mention you know, how much he enjoyed talking with Dillingham because on the college level, I think more than certainly more than high school. And then I think more than professionally too, the the relationship with that they have with their position coaches is just so important to them. And that includes coordinators, especially if you're a quarterback. I mean, it's not a quarterback's coach, but let's be real. He's going to be spending most of his time with Dillingham and, and the offensive coordinator. So that's, that's really huge. I think in terms of, you know, what he's thinking, because if he's already connecting with the guy he's going to be spending the most time with both in the film room and on the sidelines in practice uh, and during games, then I think that's a really good sign for the ducks. Uh, he clearly also based on everything he said in terms of, you know, what he says he's wants and he's looking for, I think it aligns with the vision that Lanning's trying to paint as a program here. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, it, it's, I'm excited to see what happens with this kid down the line as well. Um, I think having Butterfield show him around was, was good. Uh, right. You can never, you can never underestimate these past relationships. These kids have had uh, with other guys on the football field and in different locker rooms. So I'm glad that, you know, he was able to, to hang out with him and sort of have sort of have him show him around. Um, but I think the biggest thing, like you said, is a, a quarterback can really be the face of a class. And based on what I've seen of the kids so far, I think he's somebody who I would be great to be the face of a future Oregon recruiting class. And if you look at the quarterback position, Stephen, you know, that, that's got to be the priority for, for Coach Lanning and his staff in 23. We talked about the yeah. importance of getting yeah. top tier corners and edge rusher. Edge rushers are so, so hard to come by, as we all know at this point. We saw the impact that Kayvon Thibodeau had here at Oregon. Uh, you know, now the attention kind of turns to, to getting a whole front seven loaded with guys like that, that kind of caliber. Um, you know, that's not necessarily realistic in just one year, but we've seen how much impact one class can have. And uh, with Rashada, you know, he's got to be a, a top target for the staff. There's a lot of really good quarterbacks out West in the 23 class. Um, you know, another guy that, that comes to mind is, is Pierce Clarkson out of uh, St. John Bosco out there in Bellflower, California, Southern California. 
Um, and then another big name to, that's worth mentioning is uh, Nico. Hopefully I don't butcher this. Nico Lama Levea uh, or Lama Leava. Maybe that's how you say it. He's uh, the quarterback at Warren High School in, in Downey. Um, you know, my, my guy, John Garcia, got to uh, see him out in battle at Battle Miami last week. Uh, and there's been reports that he is expected on campus uh, this weekend as a big time visitor. So I'm still working to confirm that. But, you know, he's just it's so important to get the quarterbacks and these big 23s on campus early. And then, you know, you can just hopefully get in a pattern of getting those guys back on campus and, and being a top destination. So those were kind of just some of the, the final remarks that I had. Stephen, was there anything else or do we want to just get to, to kind of the, the typical wrap? I think we're good, man. All right. Awesome. So before we get out of here, you guys, um, we also we want to uh, ask Stephen where they can find more of you. Stephen, you wrote your first story for us, which was awesome. And um, you've also been doing some cool stuff with forums. So we'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you can check me out on SB Sports 541 on Twitter. Uh, like Max said, I am uh, pretty regular post, pretty, pretty regularly posting on the Ducks Digest forums. Um, and that's something where, honestly, guys, I would love to interact with you guys to get some ideas about what you want to talk about, right? There are plenty of things that I think are interesting to talk about when it comes to Oregon and football and, you know, the program, things like that. I like to have, you know, sort of fun and light topics as well. But you know, really, it's not for me. It's for you guys. And so um, would love to get your interactions. If you post on a forum thread and, uh, you know, answer a question or something like that, feel free to say you guys should talk about this in a in a future post uh, or a future forum post. We really want to get your guys' interaction. Uh, working on getting a YouTube channel set up. As I've mentioned before, I will let you guys know when that is up and running. Um, but yeah, just really Twitter is Twitter's the main way to get at me and uh, see, see what I'm you know saying and thinking. And uh, that's where I'll tweet my articles as well. Going to be having some new content out uh, in the next few weeks. So just keep an eye out for that. Um, and then, yeah, guys, make sure you're tuning in to Max's channels. OK, that is where that is actually how I got involved in all this is being a fan of Max. And uh, he's always got the scoop. Always got the scoop for you guys on all things Ducks, uh, all things recruiting. So shoot them a follow on Twitter. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Promise, guys, if you're looking for Duck, uh, you know anything related to Ducks information and uh, you know success of the program, the programs, uh, Max is the guy to go. I appreciate the kind words, Stephen. Yeah, so definitely go ahead and uh, make sure you guys lock in with Stephen on the social media platforms. Here's a, uh, an example of you know what our forums look like. Um, really cool layout. You know, you obviously got all the topics here that, uh, you know, Steven and myself have been, um, you know, and other, other, um, you know, members of the forum of the message boards have uh, been posting. So, uh, it's really fun to hop in there and, you know, have that direct interaction with you guys, um, see what's on your mind, like we talked about. And then I've also been using it to, uh, you know, drop some recruiting nuggets, um, which, which is kind of cool to do, you know, not everything is going to be a story. Um, but, you know, talked about how the Oregon staff w- was out in Alabama today to visit 2022 offensive tackle um, Inez Cooper. So that's really big because, like we talked about, they could always use some help on the offensive line. So sometimes I'll drop little tidbits of, you know, recruiting nuggets. I had my Arliss Boardingham update last week um, where he told me that he might not make it out to Oregon last weekend, which ultimately was was the case. Um, so definitely go check those out guys. It's, it's free to sign up and I'm really working on building the community, uh, at Ducks Digest over there. And then just to kind of give you a final rundown of where you can find more of me, you can find me on Twitter at, Oh, there we go. Twitter right here at M sports. And, uh, my, you know, you can always, uh, you know, shoot me a DM or tweet at me. Obviously want to see what you guys are talking about. What's on your minds as, as duck fans and, and, uh, you know, story ideas too. So it's always cool to, to connect with you guys over there. 
trying to build the following. And then if you're watching on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus, make sure you go ahead and take a second out of your day to subscribe to the channel. It's free and it, it was really easy to do. And it's a tremendous help for me and uh, you know what we're doing here covering the Ducks. And then last but not least, you can walk in with um, Ducks Digest on uh, all the other social media platforms. We're at Ducks Digest on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, so go ahead and uh, make sure you guys check us out over there and then follow some of our other writers on the Ducks Digest team. You know, you got Steven at SB Sports 541, and then you got Dylan Rubin King, who's a regular on this channel, uh, Nick Batty, John Rustick, uh, Graham Metzger, and Billy Spots. Those last two have been doing a lot of hoops coverage for us with, uh, you know, that being in season right now. But that is uh, all we have for this one, you guys. Thank you so much for the support that you've shown the channel, the podcast, all of our content at Ducks Digest. Really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's a blast getting to do this for a living. Um, that's just the, the God, God honest truth. Uh, I'm really grateful to be able to do this. And um, it's been awesome connecting with you guys. So uh, thank you so much. Big thanks to Steven for hopping on the show. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.